we are watching, listening to a large, hopefully an, an, the next large language learning software company being born. That's terrifying. But yeah, that's kind of what's happening. That is super cool. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Williams. Hello, lovers of language. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Today, again, I have no Lindsay, but I think I bagged myself a wonderful guest for the show. I'm quite excited to catch up with Gabriel Weiner. You may have recently heard of Gabriel because his Kickstarter has been making the rounds and sort of popping up everywhere. A really successful product. Uh, Gabriel is... On his way to create a magical language app that's going to make us all fluent and change change everybody's world <laughs> without overpromising anything. And um, wow. I, you know, <laughs> that's 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 what he said. That's what he said to me before. Totally. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Gabriel Weiner, author of Fluent Forever, and really somebody who is a language learning. Not the loudest voice in language learning, but I think very sensible and has many techniques and recommendations that I've, I enjoy and I agree with as well. So, hello, Gabe. Hello. hello. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. The last time we spoke to each other was at, I ran an event with Chris, Chris Broholm, called yes. Language Book Club. And you had just published your book. That is a long time ago. Oh my god, it feels like a thousand years ago, but it is a few Does. years ago. Gosh. So, okay. yeah. how, how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> how did the book go? How did everything go? How did um, the book go? The book went well. Uh, I, we The launch was interesting in the sense that it um, it was mostly run by me. Uh, I was, I guess, sort of expecting like a big marketing push and things like that. And it was just kind of like, it's Gabe running on his own website. But... Um, People have been have been buying it and reading it and and sort of steadily. Uh, it's I think usually books tend to come out in the market in a big splash and then they kind of fade away. Um, and this one has been very very steady. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, so yeah uh, people have been sort of reading it and then contacting me and then playing around with the apps that came out from the first Kickstarter that happened right around the same time uh, and then telling their friends and then their friends buy the book and then contact me and then buy the apps and then <laughs> it's been this sort of constant steady cycle. So yeah. Do you have even a sense of how many people have read your book by now? Um, I think it's around 120,000. 120,000 people. Yeah, the numbers are weird. Like, they're just not things that you're, like, you know, how many people do you meet and you're given, like, in your lifetime? Like, not that many. So. I know. <laughs> just, to, just to let that kind of sink yeah. in. That's a wonderful, that must be a wonderful feeling. It's been, it's been good. I think that a lot of people have really gained a lot from it and... It's strange every, every, like, it's rare. I don't sort of run into, like, like fans in life all that often. But, like, occasionally I'll sort of walk around and people will be like, wait, you're the Gabriel Weiner? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean the Gabriel Weiner? I'm just me. Uh, and, but, like, you have these, I think because the book was very much, um, the final draft of the book was very much, like, me. Like, it was just sort of, here's, here's me. Like, I'm your friend. This is, this is my voice. Like, here's my stories. Um people kind of get to know you in a weird way. So you have people who kind of like 
know you and especially if they like went to the audiobook and they like spent 12 hours listening to me speak like they feel like they really know me very well and and i don't know them yet and it's it's just a weird experience to kind of encounter people out in the wild like that yeah it, it must feel weird for people to for people to approach you and they're strangers to you but you're not a stranger to everybody right yeah, oh, that, that that thing is a very strange experience. Mm, this it, this reminds me of a book I read by Elizabeth Gilbert called mm. Big Magic, and it's a book about making things, about creating, and about art. And she tells the story about how when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which yeah. was you know a worldwide hit and all that, uh, this lady came to her and went, "I really love that story about how you threw out your husband and and you got divorced." And she writes, well, that wasn't in my book at all. <laughs> um, but this lady had, she had seen herself in my book and she had connected with it that much. So, uh, you know, and, and as the creator of something, I've, I've found this with, with the things I make as well. Um, we, you, you get that wonderful opportunity to give people something to take away and, and add themselves to it. Right. I think yeah. that's really yeah, cool. Absolutely. So one thing in your book that I, I found really interesting that I, I get this feeling it has influenced you to this day or in, I mean, obviously it's influenced you, you wrote it, but you know what I mean? It has, <laughs> you have, you have kept this as a thread throughout everything you've done. It's this whole, you start out by saying, well, I just make super rich flashcards. Yeah. You know, and there's two things that I really love about the, the approach that you take that I think is just really sensible. That's what I look for in a good language learning method or approach. And that is the focus on memory, the focus on pronunciation, and then the focus on joy. And mm. something that I found interesting was that your joy, <laughs> I, I got the impression reading a book, you actually get joy and enjoyment out of making Anki cards. I mean, for real? Mm. Trixie, um, I, get, I get joy out of the... I want to say the abstracted process there, which is like super fake. Um, I get joy out of the process of learning languages. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get joy out of this particular process. Um, there are issues with making flashcards in Anki that continue to annoy me to this day, which is honestly some of the, a large part of the reason of this, um, uh, that I did this whole Kickstarter thing. Um, so like, it's not like I have like over time come to just love every aspect of making Anki flashcards. Like, no. <laughs> Uh, there are parts that like I, I would not have gone through this much effort in terms of uh creating a replacement if if that was the case but um there are definitely parts of this process that i do love i mean the 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 interaction that you can have with the language where like the discovery process that i think all of us sort of share when we look at new languages like mm -hmm. that's fun like yes. the the going through and finding a word and being like, is this, I think this word means this. And then you look it up on like Google images and you find that like, no, 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 it's a whole new concept that you've never even thought about. And it's similar to something, you know, already, but not quite the same. And you start seeing these memes that are written in this new language. And you're like, that's, I've never seen someone make a joke about this particular word in that particular way. Uh, and like, here's a whole new site, like sense of humor that I've never encountered before. Like, that process, the idea of this discovery process is super fun to me. And I think to, to all of us. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the, for me, it's the, the problem solving part that I think is also really, really engaging. Um, the idea of, okay, I just had this fun discovery process. How do I make it so that that never goes away? How do I make it so that that discovery I just made is something I never forget? And like the idea that I can consciously make a decision and then have a method 
for keeping that in my head permanently, like that part excites me. But like the individual steps of like, okay, well, now I know how to do that. So let me go export this file and then we go to my desktop and let me drag it into a box. Like that doesn't, that part isn't as fun. It's mm -hmm. that part is how quickly can I get through that stuff so I can get back to this discovery process and then this problem solving thing. Okay. So you're much more of a normal person than I thought. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and from that, I can see, I can see this thread continuing. You make the books, people contact you and say, Hey, this whole Anki thing, tell me more, tell me more. And then you made Anki pre-decks or like word lists or something like that, right? We did two things. Um, the, the issue that is sort of always there for any sort of flashcard based product is that if you make the flashcards for people ahead of time, then they won't learn. Um, I agree. Because they never, I agree. they never had the learning thing. The whole point of making something memorable is that you connect something that means something to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be a personal part. Mm -hmm. So if Gabe comes out and goes, I've got these polka dot socks, it's, it doesn't mean the same. Yeah. And like the, the, it's, it's like there's, there's two ingredients of like remembering something long term. There's, you have to learn it and then you have to like repeat it in some sort of efficient manner, I guess, or in an inefficient manner. And then <laughs> it just takes longer. Yeah, your choice. But, um, sure. But like you have, you have to learn it. Like that, that part is non-negotiable. That has, you have to do that thing. Um, and then you need, it needs to be repeated at some point. Um, the Anki is like phenomenal for repeating things. Like that's the thing it's great at. Any of these spaced repetition programs are great for repeating things. Um, and if you, you set them up just right, then you'll repeat the right things. Like if, if in my case, for instance, I, I, I really, really dislike translations. I don't think you're actually learning what you're trying to learn with translations. And so, uh, I, I get very picky about what ends up on my Anki flashcards, but like really Anki is there just to help me repeat things, but it's not there to learn. And like, I have to do the learning part at some point. Um, and so there are sort of two ways around that, or maybe just one, like the one way around that I've sort of figured is that you can have someone have a learning experience by video ahead of time. Uh, and that's the approach we sort of took with these pronunciation trainer things that we built for Anki. Uh, that was the very first Kickstarter. That was back right when the book came out when we were talking last. Um, and that the idea there was I can make pre-made flashcards if we have a really restricted topic. We're just talking about pronunciation. I'm going to give you 45 minutes of videos where we're just going through phoneme by phoneme. Here's every sound in your target language. Here's every, like, here are the spelling combinations that will produce those sounds. Like, yes. let me cover all the data. Like, okay, and that works. And that does work because yes. it's so restricted. Like, Absolutely. we're not talking about how do you speak Spanish. We're talking about how do you make these, you know, 30 to 40 sounds. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like, like I, I've made a German pronunciation course, which is, is which is the same concept it is look yeah. if you want to either produce german with confidence and because my my feeling is if you're starting a brand new language pronunciation is something that you do really 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 early to be yeah. honest for me it's usually what i do first because i think Same. it needs to connect to what you see that needs to connect to the letters and also it gives you a confidence boost because you don't sound like a not every word is this kind of struggle anymore yes absolutely so, so I, I completely agree, but it's that thing. It's like, that doesn't really teach you a language that teaches you how to get better at the sounds of a language, how to understand more, you know, it, it helps. It gets one puzzle piece, but mm -hmm. you want more than the whole puzzle piece, correct? Yeah. And like the, the, 
at the time, like when we first did that, that project, and then it started raising a lot of money, we're like, let's add more projects. Let's, we're having more funding. Let's, let's use that to make cool things. Um, then we added this whole other product line of word lists. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was like, here are the first words that we think you should learn. And we got a lot of, not a lot, we got some pushback from people being like, hey, why don't you just make Anki decks and teach us all the words? <laughs> I was like, no, I, I won't. <laughs> Um, but I'll try to make it as easy as I can. And so we made these these PDFs that had all the words that we thought you should learn first. They had them in an order that was more memorable, which we can talk about or not. Um, but like order matters in terms of learning words. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, you know, IPA information and recordings and extra footnotes saying like, you know, this in this language, adjectives decline. Uh, so, you know, this this is the ending in masculine form. Here's the ending in feminine form. Like as much extra data as we could give anyone. So it was sort of like a, a resource where you wouldn't have to go back to your grammar book or a dictionary to figure out what words, like more about these words. Uh, and all the words were visual. All the words were things that you could really easily learn with a picture. Uh, and so that was sort of our, our, our next, the other thing we did is we, we built this pronunciation stuff for step one. We had, you know, videos so we could learn it and then repeat it with the flashcards. Uh, and then we built these PDFs, which were just these word lists that, that were like, then go make flashcards. And we're going to try and make it as easy for you as possible. Mm-hmm. And all of that is still like an improved version or a, or a you know, somewhat unique version of what is kind of already out there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But with Fluent Forever, the app, or with the Fluent Forever app, what would you like me to call it? The Fluent oh, Forever. Sure. <laughs> the flu- yeah. with the Fluent Forever app, I kind of want to um, just hear. I get the feeling what you're what you're saying is this is a new thing this is this is like you know like we've done pronunciation trainers we've done word lists we've done really cool stuff but this is a new thing and it is way cooler so why is it way cooler tell me it is a new thing and it's an old thing i mean it's it's basically taking this method of um of learning pronunciation first and then going through some simple words and 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 getting them into your head without translations and making flashcards for those Mm -hmm. things words not Um, phrases and and it is, with this app, actually more in the direction of phrases and sentences, I'm sort of pushing people in that direction as much as I can. Though awesome. I'm keeping the old option of if you want to learn a word with a picture, that's a thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. by the way, go with go sentences. It's better. Um, so so yeah. So we're we're keeping the same. Like it's the method isn't changing drastically. Like it's the same idea of interact with the language and uh, learn a word. Like get a sense of what this thing means. Here's some pictures about it. Here's sentences with it. This kind of thing. And then make decisions about how you want to learn it later, how you want to repeat it. Like it's the same kind of discover and then problem solving thing, except without all of the um, inefficient steps, without the download the image file to your desktop and then import it into Anki, you know, download the audio file into your desktop, import it into Anki, go search for example sentences and then put those into Anki and then blank out, blank out the word. Like all of these steps that are just busy work, uh, we're removing. And then we're kind of, I guess the other thing is we're eliminating all the learning curves. Um, with, with all the Fluent Forever stuff that's existed in the past, there's always been a large learning curve. There's always been a point where it's like, okay, here are the concepts and people are really receptive to this. They're like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, here's how memory works. And they're like, that makes sense. And like, mm-hmm. here's why previous things didn't mm-hmm. work. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, here's what I think you should do. You know, you discover the language and then you, you, put it into flashcards and then you, you repeat those flashcards and people are like, okay, that makes sense. And I'm like, okay, now go do it. People are like, uh Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. Anki, this is hard. 
Uh, and so there's this like three hour to six hour learning curve of getting used to Anki mm. that is difficult for people to get through and never quite goes away. Like once, even when you're like, I've made 30, I think, I think I recently counted something like 45,000 flashcards in Anki. Um, and like, I've made it as fast as I can make it. Like I'm an efficiency junkie. Like I try to like, I do all the keyboard shortcuts and things. So everything can go as fast as possible. And like, there's still so much wasted time even then. Mm -hmm. And it's, it never goes away. And the idea with this app is let's look at every single thing that is, is wasted time. That isn't me discovering the language, but it's just me doing stuff on a computer so that I can get the job done. And let's get rid of all of that. Um, and then let's make it easy to use. Let's get rid of the learning curve. So it's not a three hour or six hour learning curve. It's like, just open the app and start pressing the buttons we tell you to press and it'll be fine. I have a question for you. That is this. I think, I, I mean, having, okay, having, having listened to you talk about the idea for the Fluent Forever Kickstarter and the Fluent Forever app and this whole thing is like, you are definitely creating from your own personal need. You're looking at, well, this annoys me, so I want to make this better. But I think anybody who comes out of the box or whatever people come out of and says, right, guys, I'm going to, you know, run a Kickstarter and really put these stretch goals out there. I want to do this properly. And essentially, like, I think in the back, not maybe in the back of your mind or outside, the, like maybe right at the forefront of your mind, there is a level of, I'm going to take on the big guys. I want to be right next to, you know, the big app with the D. I want to be right up there. And I think anybody who does that has a view of education and of learning and how people interact with their computers, how people interact with their phones and so on and so forth. So maybe this this question of the big, big vision goes a little bit far because when you're talking, you're just saying, well, you know, this didn't really work, so I'm just trying to fix this thing. But what would you most like to change? I'm asking about like big vision-wise, what would you most like to change about how people learn today? Personally, I want to... Like I have this method that works very well. Like it, 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 I think it targets what were what some of the real, real difficulties of learning learning languages in a very direct way. Um, and the main problem with it for the last six years has been that it's hard to use. Like all the way through, it's been like this thing is effective, and I haven't seen anyone who's used this thing and actually like engaged with it and like gone through all the steps of Donkey who hasn't come out at the other end and, been, and thinking. That, like this thing, this is effective, but, <laughs> uh, what, what, but it's a, fact. a lot of the people, but it's, but it's challenging. There's parts that are challenging and mm -hmm. there are parts that are not efficient. And there are parts where it's just like this, this, this works, but I don't like using this computer program or this works, but I feel like I'm spending too much time not engaging with the language. And so the idea of actually solving that once and for all and saying, let's just make it easy and make it so you're always engaging with the language. Um, I feel like that, that puts something out there where, where I feel like I've created a tool that if people want to, and if people can find it, like if it's accessible and people know, okay, here's one of the options I have. You know, there's Duolingo, there's Rosetta, there's Food Forever, there's Babel, whatever. Like here's one of the things I can look at. And the idea of, of having something out there where it just works 
or you just use it and you put in your time and it's, it's work. It might be enjoyable work, but it still is work. It's not just like I'm sitting there watching a TV channel thing, but it gets the job done and it gets you to, to a level of fluency that you want to get to. Like, that's what I see in terms of the long-term vision is just having, having this option out there. Um, mm-hmm. Does it need to take over the world? Does everyone need to use it? Like, no, if you want to use it, use it. But I would like people to know that it exists and I would like it to be great. And like, that's sort of the long-term vision of this thing. Mm. And it fits in it. I mean, it, what your do you envisage this as something that people use at the start of their language learning journey? Sort of something that really gets you this, I'm imagining language learning as you, you're walking up the stairs and this is like the thing that gets you up the first three steps? Uh, I think that it is a, a powerful tool for getting you up those first few steps very, very rapidly. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I don't see that as the end of the thing. And that's that's one of the issues I see with a lot of the apps out there is that mm-hmm. like you can get like people like start, a step or right? two up the way. Yeah, you can get people started with these things. But like what happens when I want to be really good at a language? Like I want, I want to get a ton of vocabulary. What happens when I want to customize what is in my head? Like when I want to say, you know, I want, you know, football terms. Like I want to know everything there is to know about football. And I want that in my head in like a really accessible way where I can just have a conversation about football at, at a moment's notice. Like that doesn't exist. That's not an app that exists out there. That's um, interesting the, because you um forgive me I'm just going to Go on interrupt. Yeah. In a way, it one answer to the question of what happens if I want to just get really good at a language. In in my mind, really good is always or for most people, for most especially most English native speakers, really good is is very closely connected to really confident. Mm. And what happens when? My answer to that often is you get off the app. You get mm. off your damn screen and you start talking to people. Yeah. And you you yourself have experienced a lot of in-country and out-of-country learning. But I remember when I was first talking to you, we were talking about Middlebury, you know, the, yeah. the immersion schools. And that's how yeah. you started out. And also living in Austria, living yeah. in Hungary, and so on and so forth. So no, most... Nothing in Hungary. <laughs> Sorry? Just Austria. I never. I was in Hungary for like three days or so. Oh, Vienna, but Austria for sure. Like the same thing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but you learned Hungarian. I did. Okay, I have my facts nearly right, and you know, there, but there is this certain like there's this thing that people really crave, and and I I always try to walk the line, and in your history, I see a lot of immersion. And I always try to walk the line between telling people, look, you need at some point to have human contact, get off your mm. app. But then there is the other type of person who is like on the other end of the spectrum, because it really is a spectrum. And I want people to be somewhere in the middle to have mm. their app, to use it, or if it's an app or if it's a, you know, like me, textbook, old woman kind of style. Although I've got students who are way older than me, who are way more techie. So the age, age doesn't really may play a role here. You know, but, but who are in the middle. And then I know the people who say, oh, I just need immersion. I just need to, like, go to Spain and speak Spanish. Da, 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 da. Um, but but that, I think that's just a way of making an excuse because you're not about to go to Spain. So what what are you talking about? And, mm. you know, I, that's 
there's no point in in really setting that goal but there's also no point in doing in doing any kind of app learning for three years straight without ever talking to anybody so that presumes that your app doesn't involve talking to people <laughs> uh, one of the things that um, that I think has been sometimes a little bit lacking in terms of the like like people will see the Kickstarter and they see this like app picture and they're like okay this is the thing on my phone and I press some buttons and hooray and like that is that is true like that 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 is the thing we're building. That is one of the things we're building. But the thing I'm like this in terms of the, like the, the bigger picture, this idea of what's, what's coming, what's, what are we aiming to build here? Um, is not so much like a single thing that sits on your phone, but it's a whole platform. Um, over the last few years, I've been studying Japanese and Hungarian and I've been doing it in Spanish and I've been doing, uh, let's see, the last half of Hungarian, all of Japanese and all of Spanish with italki tutors. And mm -hmm. I've been writing a lot about this on my blog. And the sort of the route here for me has been, um, I, I don't have time to be immersing myself in Japanese and Spanish. Like I have, <laughs> I have this Kickstarter to run and the old Kickstarter to finish. Well, yeah, people uh, have a don't... life to live. I think that's, that's yeah. standard, you know, for, for most of us. Absolutely. So and like, I've, I've done the immersion thing and it's, it's amazing, but like, there's no time for it almost mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I do have time for an hour a week with a tutor. But yeah. usually an hour a week with the tutor is not going to get much of a, much work done. Like we can chat for an hour and that's not going to make me substantially better in my target language. Um, but uh, what I've been doing is basically talking for an hour with my tutor, but using that hour to generate content that goes into my flashcards. Yes. You got to talk and then you got to study. Oh man, you're a dream student. But like, I, the, the, the tricky thing is like, usually you write down stuff and then you like, you study in this case, it's, I'm just generating content, like directly, like the thing we're going to talk about for this hour is what am I going to study this week? Give me sentences that are personal, that have to do with my memories and that cover the target words I want to learn. And then I'm going to dump all those sentences into my flashcards so that by next week or in two weeks, everything we spoke about for this hour is now in my head in a very actionable, like usable way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what it what it means is that we have these conversations where I have basically I have a hundred percent retention of those conversations, like for the long term. And so I'm taking this hour and in the end of, of, of a month, I've that everything we spoke about is now something I have for my active use. Um and that's the thing I'm trying to enable with this app, really is, yeah, we're going to provide some sort of prefab content where you can go through sentences and you can choose your words and all this stuff. But that's that's going to get you to kind of an early intermediate level. You'll be able to kind of engage with people, whatever. Like, you'll, you'll get to some some decently comfortable level. But, like, to keep going, it doesn't mean now put down your phone and go do other things. It means here's a tool where you can take even a half-hour conversation with, a, with, like, a, a tutor or with a friend or whatever – and you can put all that into your head also using this app. It's a, it's a supplement to, like, it, it's a tool basically that takes things out in the world and sticks them in your head. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing I'm trying to build. And do you find, I can really tell that the way you're approaching these things is so efficiency-based. Yeah. And so, like, look, I'm just trying to get this thing done. You know, there's almost a sense of, there's almost a sense of what am I trying to get at? Um, it is it is so methodical. It is so methodical. Yet what you say and what I say as well is this idea of like you've got to and whatever 
everyone who's learned language for more than about eight weeks, I think, says is you you got to find the joy in it. So yes. you your way of finding the joy, if I understand correctly, is to minimize everything method, methody and to then just find the joy in using the language. But so the next question that, that I think is really interesting is for you personally, um, say in your Japanese, let's pick your Japanese. What What is the most joyful thing? Like what's fun? Japanese is fascinating because it's so hard. Um, and it's so foreign to, to English. I mean, it's just, it's as far away from English as I think anything could get. Mm, says the Hungarian it's, speaker. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. further than Hungarian. It's, 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 it's an own, it, it's in its own class of language. Like mm -hmm. it's, I feel like it's, it's unlike anything I've ever even approached before. Um, and so I find like at some point in one of my Kickstarter live things where we had a big Q and A, um, Someone was like, oh, what's, what's your favorite language? Or what's the, what's the language that like is the, like has the furthest translations where like you have, you see a translation, you're like, wow, that, that has nothing to do <laughs> with the English sentence. Like the, the way that you formulate that thought is just not how you would formulate that thought in English. Like that, that keeps coming up the most in Japanese. Um, and the character system is fascinating. And like there's just, there's so much data <laughs> that is, strange looking and is hard to get into your head and requires this kind of problem solving thing that is what I'm passionate about of like, wait, this is a whole new problem. I've never encountered this. How do I do this? Um, that's, what's been really engaging with, for me with Japanese has been mm -hmm. like, it, it's just so many new problems to solve. Yeah. So, you know, the way I would describe your approach to language learning is that you like engineering the whole thing. Yes. No, that but, yeah, is fascinating. Yeah. It's so different to how I go about it. And and that's what I love about, you know, that's why this is the creative language learning podcast in a way, because that is the creative part is to mm. show and and demonstrate the amount of like different approaches that yeah. all get us to the goal. I love that. That's so exciting, you know, to really show, well, you know, everybody goes about it in a different way and your approach is very action focused it is literally like what steps do i need to take to get to the goal yeah awesome i i, I love it i love it <laughs> i couldn't be like you but <laughs> no I mean, but i, I was that's... was an engineer like I, I, that was my my first uh -huh. degree was engineering like, uh -huh. that's that's what i i was and am and still am Oh man, I feel like I'm beginning to tell an engineering language learning when I see one. <laughs> so uh, one question out of my own interest is how much is your approach and your app rooted in academic research? What do you make of that world of language acquisition, language learning, academic research? Um, the, the great thing about writing a book is that you get two years to figure out why the thing that works, uh, whether the thing that, that seems to work for you has any kind of academic basis behind it. Um, and you get to just spend two years researching it. And in my case, that's exactly what happened where I, I fell on this method. Like I just sort of intuited, I mean, I based it on pa past experiences mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that didn't work and past experiences that did work. And I was kind of like, let's try this thing. I hope it works. Mm -hmm. And it worked very well. And then I tried it again and was like, okay, let's try this. Let's see if this works. And then like, let's make improvements on Russian. I, I did the, like the first one came on French and then I tried it again with Russian. And I was like, oh, I need to make some changes. Russian is harder. Let's fix this. Uh, and I landed on a sort of improved version of this thing. And I'm like, okay, this is really working quite well. 
then the book happened and it was like, okay, well now I have this time. Now I can slow down. I don't need to get things done, you know, get done with French, get done with Russian. It was just kind of like, write a book, <laughs> sit down, figure out what you're doing and, and have someone on your back, this editor, who's just going to tear you to shreds if you do anything wrong. Um, and I started researching and trying to figure out, you know, this worked better than I thought. Why? Um, and I found that there was a lot of research showing exactly why. And that's kind of what the book turned into was, was instead of just being this thing, this like how to manual of like, when I learn languages, do, I do this. And so you should do the same. Uh, it, it turned into something a lot more interesting, which was like, here's how we learn. This is, this is the story that of us, <laughs> this isn't me saying, this is what you must do. This is, here's what, what, what researchers say is, is humanity. Here's mm -hmm. the human brain. Here is what I did. And here's how those two things interconnect. Here's why it makes sense. Um, and it allowed me to start even changing my method based on the research and seeing how that worked. Uh, and so like with Hungarian, for instance, I, I learned Hungarian during the book writing process and I did it really methodically in the sense of that I would write a chapter on pronunciation and then I would learn Hungarian pronunciation. And then I'd write a chapter on like early vocabulary and then I learned early vocabulary in Hungarian. And, uh, I found some research saying, hey, you know, you're using, for instance, like there was a, a memory research thing showing that like if you learn spellings, that's less memorable than spellings plus sounds, which is less memorable than spellings plus sounds plus concepts, mm -hmm, like pictures, mm -hmm. which is less memorable than spellings plus sounds plus pictures plus personal connections. And I was like, oh, I've, I've never played with personal connections. I've never like if I'm going to learn the word for cat, usually I just pick a picture of a cat online. Where whatever I would, you know, I would search for that, that, you know, Mochka on in, in Google Images and I'd see, oh, here's what Hungarian bloggers use for cats. Interesting. Let's take that cat. But the idea of being like, well, let's take that cat, but let's make sure I also get a picture of my family cat. Thought I, I like at the moment I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's the same. That's, that should be the same. But the research says that should be 50 to 100% more memorable. And, and then, so I was like, cause well, you, you, let's try it. <laughs> you are automatically uh, yeah. going to, you are automatically also going to then have that in your life so much more, right? I often yes. think of the the whole memory. You know, the, the the biggest mistake people can make about in terms of thinking about memory and vocab, I think, is to expect themselves to remember a word after they've studied it what twice, or even <laughs> yeah. like eight times, because it takes so many contact points. So as soon as you connect it with something, if I'm thinking, I start looking at my cat Abby, and mm -hmm. I start thinking. Like I've started talking German to her because mm -hmm. I want my husband to hear more German, but I don't want to put him under pressure. <laughs> yeah. So he's good. And it was a tip that somebody gave me at the, at the polyglot gathering. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so good. That's yeah. Really good. It's really good. It's really, cause you don't want to put your partner under pressure at all. And you don't want to ever go, I expect you to learn German when I speak English to him all the time. Anyway, but you know, like every time she, she walks into the room or something like that, if I then go, Ah, a ga, a kath, gath, Welsh has mutations. I'm learning Welsh. Um, mm. So if I start memorizing a way that cat is mutated or vungath, which is cat mutated with the v, mm -hmm. Welsh listeners are either really impressed or really annoyed right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like if I start memorizing that and then every time she jumps around the garden then like, oh, Vungath and Vungath, oh, you know, then 
I have this visual and it will naturally occur. And I can't, I don't even have to engineer it in my life for it to happen. Mm. Right. You don't have to engineer your husband walking in the room. They just do it. Right. And, yeah. you, you know, and, and I like, I like that about it very, very much. Yeah, no, the, the, the personal stuff will, will, it makes things a lot more relevant. And, and that's one of the reasons why it is all more memorable. Um, mm. But it also means that you don't have, like, you're saying how, how, uh, you know, how, how memorable something is depends on how many times you're sort of interacting with it. Mm. Um, mm. But it's not just that, it's how relevant it is, is how, how, uh, like, how good of a memory it is in, in some sense, in terms of its depth and, and, and color and character. So, like, you can have something where you just interact with it once. Like, you can have a really traumatic experience or a really great experience where you have it just once and you remember for the rest of your life. But, like, the the, the real, real challenge becomes, can you, like, <laughs> I feel now, like, kind of this nerdy engineer person at this point. I've been identified. But, like, how can you systematically look at every single word and, and, and jam a, a really impactful emotional, like, thing into each word how can we engineer emotion right how can we engineer emotion and like you can you totally can you can like artificially like jam emotions into everything if you know the root there and like that's kind of don't ruin it don't ruin it i know i know i'm sorry (laughs) but like that's that's how i look at things and it works (laughs) (laughs) do you have um do you have a a, an academic fave or any kind of study or book that you would recommend i'm always i like reading academic research into this um, I like, um, I think it's Lourdes Ortega, um, Understanding Second Language Acquisition, I think is the name of the book. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was one of my biggest sources for my book. It, like, she just summarizes everything that, that is, that at least was known by the time that she, she wrote the thing. Uh, and so that, that covers, that's my go-to in terms of like first, first thing to jump to if you're looking for like a good, oh, it's up on my bookshelf. Understanding uh, Second Language Acquisition. It was right. Okay. Yes. I got the whole title and her name right. <laughs> uh, that that's my go-to for academic stuff. Yeah, I like Ortega actually, but I haven't I haven't read I've I've read more like cited in other things. But I'm mm. gonna stick that one out. Cool. I'm gonna put it in the show notes as well. If you're a a nerd listening, no, hang on, you are a nerd because you're listening. <laughs> you're going to find it in the show notes. Okay, so. I have a question about you and your personality, and I think maybe we can find something out, out of out of something that you do a lot, and perhaps oh. the, the the engineer approach. <laughs> no, something good. Okay. <laughs> Gabriel Weiner is a robot. Okay, you seem <laughs> to put yourself forward for, for for a lot of like in a good way. Um, I was talking to you beforehand. So I really admire what I see as um, a a fearlessness that shows in achieving things that other people might shy back from. So you've got a creative live class, which I, I looked at and I was like, Oh, that sounds amazing. You know, you've obviously published a book, you know, dealt with a publisher and all that. Um, you've been an opera singer, you know, you've gone from engineer to opera singer. There's a real, um, a sense of fearlessness that I get from looking at your career. So I've got two questions for you. Number one, what is your self doubt monologue like? Oh, it's endless and very loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that whole fearlessness thing doesn't exist. That's, uh, that's a, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. The self-doubt monologue goes, um, in any sort of polyglot or language circumstance, uh, goes, uh, Gabe, you probably, if someone were to speak in language, probably you don't know anything. Probably, you know, the, the certifications you have don't mean anything and you don't actually know any languages and, and someone will find out shortly. Um, that's there always, uh, the, I guess that's called imposter syndrome. Um, so that's always there. Mm -hmm. Um, I worry a lot about what people think. 
Um, I, I needed actually to get after the first Kickstarter, when we started getting a lot of email, um, I eventually needed to get an assistant, not just to handle the email, but to protect me from negative ones. Um, because if I got, I would get, I could get 99 emails in a day that were like, Gabe, I'm so thankful that you made this thing. And, or like, Gabe, I, I read your book and like, holy crap, I was so happy. And I would get one email being like, Gabe, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> you took a long time to make this app come out. And I thought you, you promised me that it would be out earlier and it isn't. And I'm disappointed in you. And I would like lose two days of work. I would just be, I would lose sleep. I would be unable to like, to function. I'd be like, there's someone in the world who's disappointed in me. I have failed. <laughs> uh, and it, it's uh, really intense. So like that's, that's the Gabe experience is constantly dealing with uh, what if I say something and people don't like it. Mm. Um, so you really want to live up to people's expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's especially hard with things like, like Kickstarters where you're making promises. Um, and then you have, you have to keep those promises, uh, or you have people who are upset at you and disappointed in you, uh, for, for not keeping those promises, at least in the timelines that you, you said you were going to. So, um, all of that stuff is very, very challenging for me. And I have needed to put in a support structure to, to deal with it in some sense in the form of these assistants and things like that. Uh, I, I recently got this like a uh, really angry email where my assistants didn't know what to do. And like, they kept coming back to me being like, please read this email. And I was like, no, <laughs> I will not because it's going to ruin my day for a bit. So how about you summarize all the things that they're upset about? And I'll respond to those. And they're like, no, no, you actually have to deal with it. And so I actually dealt with it, but like, uh, I, it's damn it. Like it's challenging for me. I, I don't hand, I, the idea of fearlessness is like kind of laughable for me because I have tons of fear. How do you how do you respond to your self doubt monologue? Do you have do you have answers in your mind? Is there a is there a way that you you reply to that voice? Um, lots of therapy. <laughs> I think is the actual answer to that thing is is lots lots of therapy. Um, I mean, I, I or just shoving it down and making it go away for a little while so it can come back later. Um, but that that's not as effective as like lots of therapy. <laughs> so. Therapy perhaps not being a um, a solution for everybody. So, but one of the reasons I ask this is because um, because I'm interested, but also mm -hmm. because I'm wondering what can a nervous first time speaker mm. take away from your experiences in life? I guess they can't really say, well, just get an assistant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> go, go to counseling get an assist but, um, you know, like, no. but there is definitely a way I mean it, again anyone who puts out an ambitious Kickstarter like you have anybody who puts out a book called Fluent Forever um, says the lady written a book called Fluency Made Achievable but anyone who kind of goes out there and says alright this is my thing here is my flag I'm putting it on the moon has has a sense of you know like has done something that they're scared of publicly sure. yeah. which is exactly the experience that so many people find themselves in when they have to speak french for the first time oh my god and there's a french person over there so is there anything that you think a nervous first-time speaker can take from or that you have learned on on making yourself do scary stuff sure um i think that you <laughs> you're going to start noticing a pattern that everything i say has the same answer which is that you can engineer it <laughs> Um, oh man! Like I, I, my my assistant, for instance, like like I had, I wrote this post on how to how to work with italki tutors, 
And my assistant wrote me back being like, okay, this is a cool post. Like I've, uh, you know, honestly, I've been wanting to work with a tutor for the last year. I'm living in the Netherlands. I've been wanting to hire an italki tutor for Dutch, but I've just been too scared. And I'm like, and I, I came back to her and I was like, me too. She was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what? And I'm like, I'm scared every time I start a tutoring session on, on italki. Like I have, I have, well, I, for a while I was having three a week until, um, or four a week until, uh, the Kickstarter started. Um, and every time I would be terrified before we started, like these are like, I've been speaking with my Hungarian tutor for, I think three years now we're friends. Like we are only chatting because I like chatting with him and it, it also helps maintain my Hungarian, but like he's a great guy. And, uh, and I still t- am terrified every time we start. And she was like, wait, what, what do you mean? Like, you can't possibly be terrified. You're like the guy who's writing this thing about italki tutors. Uh, what do I do? And I'm like, well, the thing you do is you, you start the first step. Like it's terrifying to speak to someone potentially, like at least it is for me. And if it is for you, Heather, my assistant, like then, okay, we're both terrified of speaking. Great. Um, the thing you can do that's less terrifying is log on to italki and then find a tutor and then call it quits for the day. You found your tutor. <laughs> and then the next day you're like, okay, let's schedule something like two weeks out. It's two weeks away. It can't possibly hurt me. And then eventually you get to the day before and now you're under the 24 hour mark because you've forgotten about it. And you see in your calendar, oh, my God, tomorrow I have a tutoring session. <laughs> I can't cancel it because if I cancel it, I'll just lose my, you know, four dollars or five dollars or whatever. Pay your tutors um, properly, people. Yes, except italki is too tempting. <laughs> Pay your tutors <laughs> properly, people. This is just like Kirsten's yeah. monologue. That's totally fair. Uh, but like you're, you're going to lose the money that you put in. Absolutely. You lose your italki credits. And you you're could. like, well... I can't lose my credits, so I guess I have to do this thing. And then at that point, you're kind of forced into doing it. And then you you do it, and then you realize it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you do it again. So in a way, you don't you don't just. I mean, you, you, of course, you do engineering. You found a way of doing it that works for you. Um, but it's that I like to call it tricking yourself into doing stuff. That that that's exactly what it is. It yeah. I I sometimes I sometimes exercise in the morning. It's, you know, it's a, it's a rare sight, um, but, but it's, it's the same thing. It's like, I have to put the trainers, I have to put my gym stuff. I have to put all of the outfit. I have to put my sports bra next to my bed. Mm, I yeah. will not get out of bed and wear anything else before I do that because it's just not going to start. And it only yeah. works if I'm in a group class and ideally I'm taking a friend with me. So you've got to kind of, and, and that, I would never plan that for tomorrow morning. I would only plan that a safe distance away. So in yeah. a way it's it's a very very good method and it's I don't think it's robotic at all. I think it's really a very smart way of going about it. So I think that helps. And also I must say because I've done a lot of um I've done a lot of talking I think this year and last year about how people can get speaking. Um because I've noticed that I'm I'm not really scared of speaking to people in in the language I'm learning. Um, yeah. I'm the person who opens her mouth and then realizes I know about three words and, oh, I'm, I'm an idiot, but I don't feel like an idiot. I'm just having fun. Lucky. It, yeah. I'm, I'm very extroverted. Um, mm. but, but I was, I was thinking about this whole idea because a lot of people say like, oh, I'm, I'm really introverted. This is a problem. And, um, one of the, one of the tips that I gave, that, that I, I give regularly now, um, that, that I use as well, and I didn't speak Welsh any differently in the first year is, 
to create a safe space, to find a safe person to practice with, right? Mm. You don't do that thing where you go up to a bus driver or somebody who has a different job to do and who really, they don't care. They don't know who you're learning um, and it's not their job. You you find yourself, a tutor I think is great for this because it's their yeah. job to keep you safe. Um, and that that is pretty much, it's a similar way. So you're going about this, <laughs> I was going to say you're going about this right but you know like I think you're you're going about this in a really smart way and it's a really th that added level of scheduling something a few weeks away I really like it I think that's really smart yeah ah cool okay so we can engineer everything is my lesson so far that's awesome I've got a few quick fire questions so we're, sure. we're coming to the end of our time but I've got a few quick fire questions and they're all about the app okay okay so number one question that I or this is a question that I get asked a lot um, and then that is will it help me will it help learners learn more than one language at once uh, I it, it can be used that way I highly recommend against it uh, I find that learning multiple languages at the exact same time uh, increases the extent to which they're fighting each other and interfering with each other uh, and so for me I find that you can maximize efficiency <laughs> by um Sticking to one, spending all of your time on that one until you're happy with it, and then switching to the next one. And then moving the first one sort of to maintenance mode where you're like chatting with the tutor every two weeks. Okay. Second question. Will it suit an intermediate learner? For example, somebody who is on that horrible, am I B1 or B2 or C1? I want to be C1, but I'm B2. You know, someone who's on those barriers. Uh, will it suit somebody at those further or long levels? Totally. Uh, I mean, I'm to some extent, I'm, I'm building this app so that I get to use it for my Japanese, which is stuck at around B1. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the idea with this app is you should be able to really easily take any content out in the wild and stick it into your head. So, which is exactly what B1 people need. Mm, which is, I recently spoke to Shannon Kennedy on this show. She was co-hosting and she's in love with Link. And one of the reasons she was she's in love with Link is because Link does that. Right. You know, it lets you import, yeah. but it's it's text based, so there is, it you know, slightly different, but same things. Like, and that's that's what you want to do, right? You want to make the real world learnable. Yeah. Number three, so we know this costs a lot of money. This app, um, and and I think, I I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that the the Kickstarter raised a lot of money, and I'm glad that there are more ways, hopefully. Um, because I think this, you know, I want, you know, I want, if somebody goes on and says, look, I'm trying to take on the big guys, I want him to take on the big guys. So do it. Okay. So anyway, I'm mad keen to get you to develop more languages because I have this whole list of languages that I want to practice. And so far, none of them are funded. Welsh, Luxembourgish, Esperanto. I know they're not majority, but they're cool. Um, and Vietnamese I've been eyeing up and flirting with a little bit. So how can people give you more money so that my languages get funded? Uh, can you repeat that last question? Because the Skype just cut out for five seconds. Okay. My question, in a nutshell, is how can people give you more money so that we can get more <laughs> languages funded? Uh, I mean, pretty much you can back the, the now the Indiegogo campaign. Um, and What's an Indiegogo? The, basically, there's two big platforms out there for crowdfunding. There's Kickstarter and there's Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. um, Indiegogo also, it has a little more flexibility, and so they've added this option of uh, basically taking a campaign that's finished and making it continue to go. 
and so we have uh, an Indiegogo campaign that is sort of continuing to to hit the rest of the stretch goals for the extra languages. Um, and so if folks have not yet backed the Kickstarter, they can still join uh, over at Indiegogo. Um, we, the, the link is the same, really, as it used to be, which was kickstarter.fluent-forever.com. Um, and people can tell their friends about it. Um, those are sort of the two big roots of, of helping us get to the, the later languages. Excellent. Okay, now, what can people expect if they give you money? Let's say somebody has money, and they say, I want to give Gabriel money. <laughs> if they gave you money on the Kickstarter, thanks. there were all these fancy... Yeah, thanks. Yes. Uh, same idea. With, same idea with Indiegogo. Uh, if, if, uh, if folks gave money on the Kickstarter, they would get access to the app. Uh, I mean, basically... What we were aiming for is uh, really lower prices than anyone else is going to be getting um, in terms of app access and and usage. Um, you're basically getting two months worth of beta testing for free, and then you're also getting a discounted rate on the sort of monthly subscription stuff for the app. Um, and that's the same with the Indiegogo campaign. Uh, basically, uh, you're in some sense you're pre-ordering. It's not just like, hey, let's donate money to Gabe. It's let's get cheaper, earlier access to this thing that we are interested in getting access to. Mm -hmm. And in terms of timescales, when can people expect the first app on their phones? Um, phones? Tablets? Get, uh, first phones, and then uh, as sort of, as we start fundraising, then we can move on to things like tablets, um, as we continue to fundraise. Uh, first, first priority is languages. Um, so, let's see. Uh, in February, we're probably going to aim to get the first uh, Spanish app out. Um, for beta testing. Um, and then that will be a two month beta. We should have sort of a final version out that isn't, you know, it, whatever, it's not beta, uh, in April or May. Um, and then we're probably going to start adding languages like very rapidly at that point. Um, I initially was thinking maybe we'll just add a ton of languages all at once, like, you know, in, in March, like in the middle of the Spanish beta, start adding French and Italian and German and everything. Um, probably will make more sense to kind of get a really solid, clear, like, perfect Spanish product and then dump a bunch of languages on top of it since then those will be more flawless and perfect. Mm. So I have an I have an extra question. So we'll have to answer this one quickly because I as we knew we would, we're running a we're running a little bit long, but hey oh. Sure. Um who's we? Uh we is the rapidly growing fluid forever team. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Uh, I mean, I, th this is the, the experience of the last few weeks, which is like, oh my God, I'm in a software startup and I've never done that before. So, um, we're starting, like, there's the development team, uh, which is at this point almost definitely going to be Mokria, uh, Silicon Valley company that is amazing for developing apps. Uh, that's going to be probably a six to eight person programming and design and management team. Um, at this point, we're going to start having an, like a marketing firm join us to help us with uh, raising funds with the Indiegogo campaign so we can actually hit those other language goals. Um, there's a team of probably now five assistants who are handling email and like managing projects. Uh, cool, you got a lot of haters. Translations. It's a lot. <sighs> it's, <just> a l <laughs> uh, it's not all email. Some of that is... Um, uh, is things like like managing translations. Like our, our wordless project was 32 translations. It just finished uh, um, two weeks ago, after four years almost. Uh, that's going to start up all over again with the sentence list we're developing for this app. So like, there's a million moving parts, um, and that's that's this this team that is sort of rapidly growing. Wow. Okay. So we we are watching, listening to. A large, hopefully, and an, the next large 
language learning software company being born. That's terrifying, but yeah. That's that is super cool. <laughs> <That's so scary. laughs> that is is really really cool. Congratulations, Gabe. Okay. Well, congratulations. You went. You got through all the questions, but also, um, just congratulations to you. You've you've taken it to the next level. I'm I'm glad that you continue fundraising. I think it's I I'm a I'm a fan for this kind of stuff. I think I'm a fan of crowdfunding. I think it's good to put something out into the world that where you know how it got started, where there is a real involvement of the actual users in in what is being created in terms of in terms of having a stake in it and in terms of having, yeah. you know, like having supported it and i think it's a really interesting project and ultimately also think that the large no what was it the quickest ever funded app on kickstarter uh it was the the most funded app of all time via crowdfunding the most funded app of all time and the quickest but yeah via crowdfunding is a language learning app boom we rule the world <laughs> Fantastic. I really, really love it. So I am at the end of my questions. It's time to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. This was a pleasure. Thank you. I had I had a lot of fun. Really interesting to learn more about your approach and just kind of really see that engineering in action. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm conscious about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh-huh. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much, Gabe. Thank you. This has really been fun. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Gabriel Weiner. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to leave us a rating in iTunes and also to subscribe. And please get in touch and tell us what you thought of the episode and our topics. On Twitter, we are at LD Languages and at Fluent Language, so we're easy to find. Or you can send me an email to Kirsten, that's K E R S T I N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk.